Guitars can make a wide variety of sounds. Most people just assume these sounds come naturally, but in actuality, it's usually coming from a guitar pedal. Finding the perfect sound for a guitar pedal takes time and makes people really listen to the sound that they want to have. Well, today, I want to try and explore these ideas and the process with the very talented young guitarist, Tyler Morris. Tyler has been performing since the young age of 11 years old and has met and performed with countless legendary musicians. He has made guitar pedals for the likes of Conan O'Brien, Brad Whitford of Aerosmith, Jimmy Vino of the Basic Cable Band, and many more. We talk about his life, how long he's been playing, what it's like performing with all of these musicians, and how it all started for him. Welcome, Tyler. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I want to dive right in and ask you, how long have you been playing guitar? Um, total, I've probably been playing about uh, 10 to 12 years, I would say. So you're so you're 24, so about like when you were 12-ish? Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so when you started playing, what happened? Did, you, did it come sort of naturally to you, or was it something that you picked up and then... We're like, wow, I really want to keep trying really hard. Or what was it? What well, was it like? So what, what happened when I was about like, I would say even four to six years old, my, my dad was always a guitar collector. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would sneak down into the, the basement when he, his band was practicing. Um, he was in a band that was like the house band at the uh, Hard Rock Cafe before it was in Faneuil Hall. Or mm-hmm. I guess now it's going from there too. But yeah. um, he, he was in, in this band and I would sneak down. I would always want to play. Um, the problem was at that time when I was four or six years old, I couldn't really play. So <laughs> he would tune it just so it wouldn't sound awful. Like for, for Stone songs, he would tune it to like Dad Gad and then mm-hmm. he'd tune it to like Gene. I would just strum along. Yeah. Um, and I always wanted to learn. And it wasn't until I think I was about like 10 or 11 that I sat down. I learned bar chords. And um, he came home one day. And I had, uh, I, I forget if it was open position chords or bar chords, but one or, those are two things I learned. Yeah. And one of those things I like learned an entire day, just like looking at a book. Mm-hmm. And um, then, you know, it was, I was kind of like off running and I was practicing like eight hours a day um, by the time I was in middle school and high school. Wow. So this um, was all, so but, this was all by yourself. Like you were just teaching yourself at this point? Yeah. Like I, all just reading the books and just going for it? And, yeah. That, and I only really read like the, those basic books, but I was learning a lot by ear, um, you know, less, maybe a little like one YouTube video, but like I really start off by ear, but my, my first performance was when i was about 12 mm-hmm. yeah that was at a was that at bb king's blues club is that yeah, correct yeah yeah, yeah. so, so um, what, how did that happen what what you were like 11 years old so how is it that an 11 year old gets invited on stage to perform at bb king's blues club so how did that happen yeah so being um that my dad kind of got me into it he was always into eric clapton bb king buddy guy uh so i was on vacation we went every year to to like Disney World and West Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was in a guitar center um, somewhere in that like Fort Lauderdale kind of area. And I, I was just playing, I think it was a Thrills Go On or something, um, which is, at, I was 12 years old. So I was playing for a year at that point. Yeah. And I knew a lot of uh, 
like I mentioned chords, but I I didn't know so much songs. I just knew like a few songs I was playing at the moment. Just like little things here and there. Yeah, so I was playing that or like Layla or something like that. And this, um, yeah, and, <laughs> and this guy, uh, yeah, I start. well, I started the, uh, I started tributing like Van Halen when I was like 13 or 14. So it wasn't oh much after that. Oh but, my God. Um, 13 or 14. The, uh, Van Halen. But the, yeah, and there's actually videos of that one too, but there's videos of this, um, the BB Kings, West Palm beach and the mm-hmm. music director, this guy, Gary King, who's a nephew of BB. Oh wow. Um, he, he was the musical director of bb king's west palm beach but also luther vandros mm-hmm. and the bb king band yeah wow. uh, and he kind of came up to me and my dad and he's like oh man you know to my dad like your son's really good are, are you guys what are you guys doing tonight mm-hmm. so he said that um you know he's uh Who doing he this and, weekly thing yeah. um and he's normally it's 21 plus um my dad said i was 12 so he said <laughs> uh yeah come on stage you know i'll get you in i'll say you're playing with the band um, it was really cool, and I didn't realize this till much later. He, I actually played one night, and then um, he had me. It was like he did this like I think three times a week or something. So I ended up doing it. There's one time I flew down there, and I did like three times in a week, and I actually got a shirt that like oh, they wow. gave me that BB Kings that's like engraved, like you know Tyler Morris these nights. Oh wow! And so how old were you when you did those three nights? Like so when when I did those three nights, I think I was still. 12 oh, or maybe just turning Jesus. 13 but um you're a kid you're a little kid not, not whole nights it was like, like that was still the, part of the band you know but, but um, still like you were you were yeah you were a child well, <laughs> what was cool about that is the uh the sound engineer i didn't realize it till later he was actually uh donald duck dunn's son who oh looked, no way and my dad goes up to him and he says you look just like donald duck dunn like so like blues brothers yeah yeah, yeah donald duck dunn he's the bass player of the blues brothers and the film and uh the snl house band early on when the and, show um, first started you know booker t and the mgs which i ended up um mm-hmm. now i know steve cropper pretty well from wow. from my blues escapades nice. and stuff like that but um but yeah no no so it's that's it, a crazy story that's really wild of, just like so gary king literally just heard you at guitar center and was like yeah, and, like then, and then after that, I was like, oh, wow, you know, I really don't have a... F- now I sing, but back then I, I didn't really sing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had no fear of kind of getting up and playing. Mm-hmm. And once we figured that out, I started uh, playing a lot more around here. Nice, awesome. So I was going to say, after you did this performance at the Blues Club, what was it like? Were you getting noticed a lot more? As you came back, were you trying to play out more? Was your dad helping you do all these things? Because, again, you were only 12, 13 years old doing this stuff. Um, were people reaching out, or were you still pushing to try and find places to perform at? Yeah, so I, um, you know, I, w- I was definitely playing out a lot lot more. Um, I would say, you know, people always reach out, even, even back then, even now. I would say in terms of trying to find places that, you know, you could be at the Aerosmith type of like mega level and and booking agencies and bookers are still bookers. It's still mm-hmm. going to be like you have to try to find the right venue that's going to pay you the money and et cetera. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was uh, I did get some traction from that. Um, and I started um, well, I guess this wasn't this is a little bit later on. But, um, you know, I started playing like I was playing more and more on the scene. And I, I didn't really start getting the blues bass till mm-hmm. when I was playing. Um, James Montgomery took me under his wing. Okay. And I was. Playing, I, I honestly 
Who is James Montgomery? <laughs> oh, um, so so James Montgomery has the uh, James Montgomery Blues Band. Um, and he's a he's a uh, like big player in the Boston music scene. Okay. Um, does a lot of um, like some of the events we were we were talking about. Um, yeah. Prior, he does uh, uh, tons of those. But um, he's kind of like the John. Um, Jimmy Vivino refers to him as the 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 John Mayo of the East. Okay. So like John Mayo is famous for Eric Clapton yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, my friend Walter Trout. Mm-hmm. Everyone who played in his band was like more famous than him. Yeah. Um. So James Montgomery is a, um, I guess that's a bad way of putting it because James <laughs> is, is very notable and, you know, legendary harmonica yeah, player yeah. by now, but it, you know, guys who've been in his band, like I, I believe Brad and Joe Perry were in his band. Um, Bill, the entire Billy Squire band was a James Bond. Yeah, so band, everybody so. who's been in his band has had notable, popular, like, yeah, and, and success. He, I mean, he was he's he's still a major player, um, you know, around Boston, like all mm-hmm. stuff plays big venues. But I mean, the seventies, he got signed to a Capricorn Records contract deal that I think was double the money the Almond Brothers got at the time. So. It was, I mean, um, yeah, he, you know, he, he really, uh, was big guy, but, um, and, and he's, he's, he's really, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's mentor like a friend of mine, uh, Quinn Sullivan, he, mm-hmm. he helped him out at the beginning. So he, wow. he's very good at helping out younger artists and getting them on like bigger stages, like, mm-hmm. uh, Larkham theater and things like that. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. So as you were getting older and going out performing more were you given opportunities to play with a lot more of these types of musicians where like was word getting around of like young blues musician who know who's very well playing guitar and can play like van halen songs very well as well yeah yeah um you know i i mean i it's such a close network um and what really kind of got me going um so i mean from a young age i i was um you know, I knew some of the people in, in like local boss bands, like Aerosmith, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, like Brad Whitford was, was always, um, a family friend of mine. Oh, wow. But, uh, so, so, I mean, it helps when those guys kind of can validate yeah. you if someone were to ask them. But, mm-hmm. uh, what really got me going is I, I got endorsed by, um, Fishman and, and his oh, wow. cable company, yeah, Astro yeah. Up Cables. Um, then I started endorsing Dean guitars. Wow. Um, and then it, um, it, it, you know, kind of set, once you do that, you go out to Nam, and then you meet a bunch of people. And like, yeah. I remember like, for example, one of my close friends now is Phil X, who's, he's in Bon Jovi now. But oh, okay. when I wow. knew him, he, he was still, I mean, he was always the guy from Aldo Nova, but uh, I just kind of was at the Friedman booth one year and he's like, dude, like, you know, you're amazing. Here's my number. I didn't even know who he was. Um, and I was asking him some questions about like guitar he had and yeah. stuff. And then he gets in Bon Jovi and I said, Hey, you know, you guys are coming to Boston. And he's just like, dude, like you gotta come backstage, see my rig. <laughs> That's awesome. And you know, it, it's like, it's just like, um, I find the music industry, it's a tight knit community. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's lots and lots of people who are kind of, um, there's, there is a vicious mentality. So mm-hmm. all you have to do, if you're nice and you're an honest kind of guy, yeah. people notice that and they, they notice that about me. That's good. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's some of these relationships like with people I've had for, for, you know, years and, and, you know, it's like word of mouth. Like, um, I think we were even discussing, um, before we, we have a bunch of mutual friends, but we, we've never, 
um, uh, um, men each other mm-hmm. since yeah. now, but yeah. there's just, you know, there's like word of mouth, people suggest um, things and, and it gets around. And if, if, if you're part of, I guess, the more vicious side of stuff, it gets around that, oh, you know, maybe you shouldn't work with those folks. So, so it's, it's, uh, I always find it's just good to be like an honest, genuine person, treat people like, treat people kindly and with respect and just say, Hey, this is who I am. This is you, this is what I do. So I don't want to like step on your toes. Let's just have some fun with it. You know, I mean, (laughs) it it helped that I was playing like eruption behind my head with my teeth or whatnot. And also probably that you were under the age of what? 16, I assume. (laughs) So you were very young. So people would, would like you because it's like, wow, somebody would at such a young age with such talent and like incredible talent. I feel like, would inspire them a little bit to, and also take an interest in them for be like, yeah, I, I want to like help this kid out. You know, I, I started jamming. Like there's, I mean, there are other genres that I did than the blues. Yeah. Um, the, my first two records I released when I was 14, 15, wow. and they were uh, more hard rock instrumental, like mm-hmm. music. And cause of that, I got uh, noticed by like Steve Vai and Ingve And yeah. uh, I've done a few things with Satria. I don't know him as well, Yeah, but um, that kind of crowd. So I, wow. I was opening up and so you, you've played, with quite a long list of like legendary musicians so who could you say who your favorite has been to collaborate with because i've literally heard steve vi (laughs) joe satriani uh have you collaborated with brad whitford because i've heard i've heard names Um, so many different names at this point where i'm just like oh my god you know i'd love to get brad on on a record um yeah um, you know, I think it's probably going to happen soon, like next record and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's just been, um, Busy. as you know, Aerosmith has yeah. a huge tour schedule. So he's, he's one of these guys where he just wants to, you know, relax when he's not doing that. And <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to be yeah. the guy, person to bug him, but, um, you know, I've, I've, uh, uh, talked to him about that. Um, I would say that the, the two, like, the the two people that are really like my mentors that I I just love um, collaborating with because I'm doing that now for my next record. Mm-hmm. Um, so Elliot Easton from the band The Cars. Oh yeah. Um, he uh, original guitar player, one of my in my opinion underrated guitar players. I mean, he, his solos are incredible. Yeah. Um, I talked to Elliot like every day. I was I was uh, I was texting him right before I I walked in the studio. Um, <laughs> no way. And you know, he's like a life, everything from a life coach to a music coach. And, um, you know, I've talked with him about, um, you know, we've, uh, I believe we jammed stuff, um, but we've, we've never, uh, done anything on recording. I've talked with him about, um, you know, he's totally open to doing some, mm-hmm. um, and the other person that I'm, I'm really excited because we're, we're actually having phone calls about this is, is, uh, Orianthi. Um, and she, who again, uh, Orianthi. I, I, um, I don't so know. So Orianthi was Michael Jackson's uh, last guitar player. Oh, wow. On oh, the, yeah. This is it. Film. Yeah, yeah. She's the uh, Australian uh, uh, mu- uh, musician. She was discovered by Carlos Santana and brought over. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she had a very famous uh, pop song called According to You back in 2009. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, uh, she was also a part of Alice Cooper's cor- uh, touring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. So she's. She is uh, just a really big friend of mine. Um, you know, I talk to her all the time. She just told me yesterday she's like preparing for the AMAs um, uh-huh. to do on Sunday. And she's been, uh, she has a deal now with a, a label where I guess 
she's going to do more producing and writing. So she actually, I approached her about in, she said, you know, it's the right time for you to approach me because they want me to do that, my label. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I won't say it's, it's a huge label though. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) she, she has some songs in the can that she said, you know, I think this would be good for where you're going yeah and vice versa i've sent her some stuff that that she's giving me feedback so that's awesome so, i mean those two guys i mean there's other people along the way like walter trout um yeah. jimmy vivino from uh conan's band i was gonna he's, say yeah he's been a huge mentor to me um he really introduced me to like he introduced me to steve miller and jimmy vaughn one that's, night that's um, awesome so with jimmy vivino because i i know that you've you also have a bit of a background in making guitar pedals and I know that you've made guitar pedals for some of the people that you've previously mentioned. And I know that you've done it for Jimmy, uh, Vivino, Brad Whitford and Conan O'Brien. So you've, yeah. so you've made a guitar pedal for Conan. Can you, how did yeah, that, was, that come that about? Did funny. Jimmy just like word of mouth go, Hey, I know this kid who, so the whole guitar pedal thing is, is crazy. And I, I just, I've built that, like, I just made one for Brian May, too, of you, Wait, wait, um, wait, wait, You just made a guitar pedal for Brian May of Queen? Yeah, well, because <laughs> that's how the whole, uh, it kind of came full circle. Like, that's amazing. I, I, guess, I guess I'll, like, tell the story chronologically, yeah. and then you'll understand why it came yeah. to Brian Please tell May. me how you ended up with Brian May. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it was a lot. Aldi Miola has yeah. one, Bonamassa. Um, yeah. But, um... With with that whole thing, uh, what happened was uh, in high school, I was trying to figure out if I want to go more into marketing business or if I want to go into engineering because mm-hmm. um, I was always into innovation, maybe being the CEO of my own business, my own company. I wanted to involve music in some way, yeah. but I did want to you know go on a higher education, get a degree, and um, get some kind of trade experience mm-hmm. instead of... Um, music being my sole thing because it it really when you're only doing the thing that's your passion um, and I learned this from Brad Whitford basically it's really you know you look at not just Aerosmith but you look at a lot of bands and if all they do is that one thing it's it's work to them and I never wanted music to become work so um, I wanted to learn other uh, fields that would I could combine and use and um, to my advantage and yeah. marketing my music and things like that. Yeah, no, that, that's but, amazing. Um, so I started building these pedals because I, I really wanted to, Brian may use this uh, uh, treble booster, a um, net. Well, now it's um, now there's a specific company that reissues it, but um, you know, like a tone bender type yeah. treble boost um, related to the tone cut in, in the Vox amplifier. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, you know, I went and I looked up how to build one of these things, and I said, "Oh, it's not that hard." So I built it because the problem was they were selling for like five hundred bucks, and, and, and you're like, "I'm not paying that type." Yeah, of I was like, "I'm not paying because they don't have volume knobs. You just." click it and it's there's no vo- it's oh, the that's, tone yeah, it's, that's, it, yeah. it's one of these it's always in the rig no. so i built it and it was pretty good and then i started experimenting and i i said oh wh- wow i didn't realize like richie blackmore was one of my favorites and yeah. carlos santana richie and blackmore of deep purple yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. um clapton santana they all use yeah. these same like dallas arbiter i think was the company treble boosters mm-hmm. and they all use these same pedals but they all have such different tones. Yeah. So I I knew like 
my dad being a collector and I was getting into vintage guitars, mm-hmm. I had some of those, uh, like Carlos Santana. I had like a 65 SG special. I, oh. I looked in the yeah. caps Beautiful and stuff. Beautiful guitars. Yeah. And you, you can just measure those caps. And I was like, wow, I can do things like that or look at their rigs and I can actually make this pedal instead of just a, you know, my problem was, you know, I get this tone now, but mm-hmm. it's, it's missing something because, it, well, I mean, it's ultimately going to be in your hands. Yeah. But there's the factor of, well, they played this gear in addition to Pell. Yeah. So I just want like a one in a, um, you know, if someone said to me, like I want to all- sound like Brian May, mm-hmm. click this button. Yeah, like, like an all-in-one type situation. Yeah, that's the, the elevator pitch. Yeah. So I actually combined this. Um, I was, when I met Jimmy, I was doing a show with James Montgomery. Jimmy and, Vivino. Uh, Jimmy so. Vivino, yeah. And I was... <laughs> He invited me to, he has this uh, Beatles tribute band, this uh, the, the Fab Foe. The Fab with, Foe. Uh, Will Great Lee name. from David Letterman and, yep. and whatever. So I um, had this pedal on my board the night before, um, and it was a prototype, and I, I was using it as my main pedal at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, dude, like, who builds that pedal I really like? And I, I was like, oh, this is just my project. I was like, I didn't want to pay 500 bucks. Yeah. So he's like, oh, can you, uh, can you make me one? That would be really cool for while my guitar gently weeps. And oh, my yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. So at the time I was fooling around the Eric Clapton setting and I had like a day no. So I put one together, but I said, I don't know what, um, tone you'll like. So mm-hmm. this is what I like. So I made a switch where he said, here's like Carlos Santana. Here's uh, the Bob Seeger down on main street solo oh, wow. tone. And here's yeah. Eric Clapton. So those were three things I was doing that week. Mm-hmm. So I, I gave that to him and he really liked it. And then he actually told me, he told me this at a much later date, but he yeah. went to, he's he's friends with like Sean Lennon and Julian Lennon yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, so he actually went to Sean. Oh, because I made him a, the the next time I saw him, I was making, there's a thing called like a muff fuzz. Which yeah, is the, yeah, it's the the, be, the big muff, so be, muffler before pedal. Yeah. The, it's not the, so before the big muff pie, yeah. there's another one that that predates it called a muff fuzz and mm-hmm. it actually would you plug into your guitar jack yeah. directly and you click the button it's one of these like no knobs like always on things. yeah um so i wanted to build that because it could fit in the small enclosure yeah so i brought that to him and he actually was trying to get like some john lennon tone so he showed sean uh wow. i think it was sean yeah and then Sean actually wanted to get one of these. <laughs> and that was another pedal that I don't even really make anymore. But yeah. it was just like, wow, I like I really lucked out with Jimmy because yeah. like I, I just like made this stuff for myself. And he 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 describes it as like you put it in a fender amp and it's a Marshall in the box. Wow. So, you know, after that, that's, I, a, that's a great that's a great compliment. too. Exactly. Yeah. So after that, you know, he started repping them. I made him a signature model that I still sell. Um, I started making them for like people I knew, like yeah. Brad Whitford. Um, I, you know, I, there are people I met like here and there, like Phil mm-hmm. X and Bon Jovi. Yep. I made one, but like Al Miola, who's not really a pedal guy. He's yeah. like, I was describing it to him. He's like, could you make me one? <laughs> I'd like to try it. So him, That's crazy. Uh, so Brian May, I made him one and he has a PhD in astrophysics. Yeah. He's so. the literally the smartest person I've ever read about in my yeah. entire life. So, he's a genius. So Brian, you have to address his package. Dr. Brian May OBE <laughs> is what they, they made me do. Um, and he, That's uh, crazy. I'm actually going to, I'm going to hand deliver. I still haven't delivered because I was going to do it during COVID, but his tech was being like real hard. Mm-hmm. And I texted the tech and I said, you know, I, I'm all set. I paid my customs. Yeah. 
but they won't let you pay the English side of the customs because uh, it's a different country. Yeah. And he said, if you don't pay customs, I'm going to just send it back, which is like, you're already paying $200 to ship overseas. Yeah. And he was just like, I've been burned. I'm like, I understand that, but like I'll PayPal you. Like I just have, <laughs> you know, no way unless I fly over there to to pay the, the customs yeah in exactly different country. so he basically i talked to brian and his team and they're like when we come you know just deliver to brian in yeah. person wow. so haven't delivered yet but the artwork is for that one's based on his uh new horizons project which mm. is he actually i think he was one of the team that disproved pluto was was like said it was not a planet <laughs> so he uh i have like that's a, insane yeah exactly. i did not know that brian may <laughs> yeah He's, he's an accomplished uh, guy. No, I knew he was an accomplished guy because like I've I've seen an interview that he's done before where he made like a, it was a book that mm-hmm. had like a three dimensional like setup to it and he, like he's so smart. He and, he just, and I well he and I bonded over this whole like I, yeah because like you're, you're you're making the pedal yeah. so I assume he like understands what you're talking about so, when you're doing. So this. I he was just, gonna make my I have a few ideas that I might still pursue but. I, I have the New Horizons mission plot, so I have a plot of Pluto. Yeah. Um, on one side and the other side's like the NASA mission. He was involved in badge with his logo. Oh, that's so cool. But um, and he still hasn't seen. Well, um, I think I sent him a photo, so he's probably seen it. But um, I uh, I I had another idea where he had a like lighting photo detector to detect zodiacal dust is what his uh phd is on oh my god um, so that's like it's a whole rabbit hole but the, um, like it's just it's that's that's crazy that's so cool though so zodiac his phd was actually i'm probably misunder like if you were to be listening i'm probably like drastically misunderstanding this but <laughs> zodiacal dust it's it's to see like the past and the big bang and stuff so yeah um anyways so i had this whole idea where he had like a photon detector thing um sounds like you know ghostbusters kind of stuff yeah and, um you uh, a particle detector yeah um, and i was gonna actually use that circuit to like Triggered the lights when he's using them, but I you was were like, gonna do like a whole thing just for I was Brian. Like, you know what? I, I built like a hundred of these normal ones. So before I do something crazy, yeah, and then find out that like when it ships, like it doesn't you know, work. Something gets misplaced and whatever. Yeah, I'm just gonna build the standard one, mm-hmm. see if he likes it. But you know, I built them for so for Conan O'Brien. Yeah, that's the that's one I really want to talk about because so, I'm a huge oh, I, Conan fan, and he's from Boston. <laughs> so and, I just I and love that uh, Jeff Garland, the actor. Uh, oh yeah, really? Oh, too. that's that's crazy. So he's yeah. talked about it on his Instagram a lot. Too. That's awesome. But um, Conan, what happened? That's actually funny. Um, because I built uh, I, I said to Jimmy like J- Jimmy brought me to the um, Vivino brought me to the studio in Burbank. Um, the Conan studio, which is the old Casablanca set in the waters for mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. And they have a whole studio there. And Conan owns, he's like a decent guitar player. Yeah, but he's been, he's been he, playing um, for a while. He's, you know, he's, he, it's not his main thing. And he, but he has like 65 factory Pelham blue SGs. He yeah. has stuff. He which has a collection. <laughs> I, th- I think they bought him that for his gift, like the Conan team, but it, they yeah, might have used the Conan credit card. <laughs> so I, I don't know if he was too happy, but so anyways, so I had built this pedal. Um, I, I said, Jimmy, like I really, you know, obviously like they, you guys have the cool logo. I would love to mm-hmm. just build this pedal for you guys to like sit in your office or yeah. something be like because he has jimmy has all this like hit memorabilia and people have been on the show yeah, yeah, yeah so um he i built this 
And he actually, he sent me back the photo and he said, I gave it to Conan for his birthday. <laughs> um, cause you know, uh, th- this year I figured instead of us like spending, you know, taking his credit card and getting him <laughs> an SG and spending money, yeah. um, I figured he would be, uh, more happy at the free gift allotment. Yeah. Funds. yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, he got one, you know, I'm told he, I'm told he likes it. That's um, awesome. you know, he doesn't play guitar publicly, so I, yeah. you know, I don't know if it's his rig or not, mm-hmm. but, um, that you know that that that's uh, that was really cool. That's just um, that's really funny though. We that also you have it. red here. My, my <laughs> mom actually went to uh, Brookline High like a year, one overlapping year with him. Oh really? That's that's crazy. Yeah, because he yeah he went to Brookline High and then eventually to Harvard. And he's just one of my favorite interviewers because oh, yeah. he's just very good, very funny. But also he's just, I've heard him he, talk. He's, he's a, like he's a very big music fan. Yeah, because he's like, one of the things I've heard him talk about was that all comedians have this weird desire to be musicians and also all musicians have a weird desire to be comedians. It's like a weird overlapping like yeah. thing. So he's like, yeah, comedians just want to be cooler than they think they are. <laughs> and I was, and I just always thought that that outlook was really funny. Um, but I want to get into your guitar collection yourself. I know you have quite a few different guitars. Um, and there's a guitar that you have on the cover of, uh, your solo album that you released in 2020 and it's the signature Johnny a Gibson. Is that, would you say that that's one of your favorite guitars or it, it is? Um, you know, it's funny because that album cycle began like 2020 actually, which yeah. awful time to release. Yeah. Album, it was a, but, yeah. Um, the album was uh, called living in the shadows. Yeah, living in the yeah. shadows. It actually worked to our advantage number wise because less people are buying albums. So mm-hmm. we, Debuted at number three on Billboard. Oh, there you Gra- go. Uh, Grammy first round nom for uh, that. Yeah, that's my awesome. record before. Mm-hmm. Um, but with um, yeah, with living in the shadows. Um, it's funny because I, um, you know, I that's one that is one of my favorite guitars, the Johnny A. Um, the one I have is gold, which they built only. It's incredibly rare. They've built only like maybe four to six. Oh wow! In gold that are the custom configuration. Mm-hmm. And Johnny's been a friend of mine on my family's and mentor for years, but mm-hmm. I'd always kind of search around for model. I never knew. I think he even once said, I don't know if it's your thing because <laughs> um, it's a very, it, it it's a very like, it's a purely hollow body guitar. It's a really? very um, like feeds back. It's a very wow. like more like a closest thing would be like a Epiphone. Yeah. Casino, it was like, like the, a yeah, the, the, the bigger bodied. So would you say like, what was a, what, is it like a lighter guitar? Yeah. Like it's definitely so different because since it's a hollow actually, body. Like the thing is like, I don't, I use that guitar actually for that photo shoot and I used it on, um, I actually, it was funny. I did a show with Jimmy Vivino mm-hmm. uh, two months ago at the fall shelter. Yeah. And Johnny A was on the show and he showed up with, now he has a signature Strat. So he showed up with a Strat Oh. <laughs> and Jimmy showed up with, uh, um, Gold Top, uh, Les Paul, yeah. a 54. And I showed up with the Johnny A just to be funny because Johnny was. Yeah. But, you know, I play, I bring that out every so often. Um, mm-hmm. I don't play a lot because of how rear it is, but it's it's got a really distinct sound. It's great for recording as an ebony board. So, I, you know, I do like that guitar, but, yeah. I, you know, I float around. I really, um, you know, sometimes like I wish I um, was more consistent because I'm, you know, lately I've been playing tellies. Yeah. Um, You're just like kind of bouncing around gold. between. Like, I, I we, yeah, I collect lots of guitars. So I'm always, um, like my two recent, acqui- well, 
I've gone probably five since these two, I guess. So <laughs> well, so before I got you two this week, <laughs> don't put two this week. Oh my gosh! So well, I was I forgot. Uh, Martin <laughs> pinged me on oh, so Friday, they, yeah, and I forgot I ordered something. Oh, and it was finally. And then they, I'm specking a D28. I went down to the factory yeah. and picked out some wood, and it's got my signature and yeah, yeah, some awesome. specs and stuff. But that's sweet. Um, so more acoustics, but no, like I like recently I've been uh in love with i i got like a month ago i found yeah. at a pawn shop i found a the uh best. yeah pawn shop finds are still there people don't realize but yeah. i got a um 69 uh gold top there you um, go at a pawn shop and i was like oh this thing's great yeah and then i got a call from a friend that his neighbor's dad bought an original 53 gold top <laughs> so i ended up with that too like within two weeks and i'm like crap if i like i would have saved my money on the 69 is really good but uh, i I, 53 (laughs) like you can't i ended up with them both but i probably would have so you know yeah so i know you mentioned earlier that your dad has a large guitar collection himself so that's where you started messing around with stuff but do you yourself also have a large guitar collection could you say how many um, guitars you have personally that you own oh god um like 360 personally maybe more maybe less so, at, at one time between my my dad and i we had total like 650 we sold over COVID and stuff we sold about 300 of them because yeah i would want to thin the herd to yeah. only um only vintage stuff custom shop yeah. stuff um there's a lot of guitars i've wow. gotten through see the problem is i get a lot through Endorsements. I was going to say, like, sponsorships, endorsement type deals. Like, they were like, hey, yeah. can you, like, here's a guitar. Can you test well, it or play so, it or something? So, like, I had um, Gibson now as new management. Yeah, because they went bankrupt. Um, was that I, was, I was with, uh, I was actually at the factory a few weeks ago and, you know, with the CEO. Actually, Bob Bob Weir was there, which was a oh, cool wow. introduction. That's great. But, um, Bob Weir of the Grateful Dead. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm friends with, like, Tom Murphy, all the guys there. Um, and we were actually designing a Memphis exclusive model. It was going to be 25 um, back in two, 25 limited run back yeah. in 2018. If you Google uh, Premier Guitar Gibson 20, I think 18 or 2019 NAM show, yeah, um, you'll see the thumbnail is me with my NAM badge, says Tyler yeah. Morris, and and I'm like the main guy in this video mm-hmm. premiering this new model. Um, and it was based on, I liked that Johnny A at the time. So this model was like a single cut. Like an inspired. They, it, it was like, I had no association to start and mm-hmm. I was playing at a Gibson party. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy, the head of the Memphis came up to me, the Memphis factory at the time. And he, he said, you know, you play a lot like jazz and stuff. And we're yeah. looking for a guy who can do jazz and rock and metal and Van Halen. Yeah. So I, I literally did that. Like if you watch that premiere guitar video, so you, you did literally all and, of what they um, asked for. <laughs> so I did that. So I had some cool, like my, my signature color colors, like purple and stuff. And I like flames on the back and neck. Yeah. So, um, I had two prototypes. That I still have that like, um, or actually cover of living in shadow, the shadows. Is yeah, yeah. One of those prototype guitars. Okay. It's the ES two thirty five. It was going to be like small limited signature run. We're going to do. And then you guys took over and it's like yeah. kind of the, screwed up the artist relations program <laughs> yeah like i still work with them but now i work with fender now and oh, wow you know to be honest like martin guitars is the the only one that i'm really working with on stuff that's like a you know would be like a sing like like not not yet but like they'll like put my name 
in the fretboard and do custom features. Whereas Gibson, yeah. like, you know, basically they'll just put a house with all the old people, and yeah. now they're all now they're all like uh, people who don't really know uh, a lot about these guitars. Um, they don't know anything about like like classic. Yeah, stuff, they're they're but. not really aware of like what goes into them or like how like like just the the build of them either. So, I know that um, a few years ago, my cousin he bought my uncle for his birthday. I forget the year, but it was a Sunburst Les Paul, um, and he, it was it's heavy guitar, okay. and he he was playing it, and it sounded so because it was it was older, but it sounded so good. I don't think it was like a brand new model, but it was it was so crisp and clean, and just the sound of it was so great. But speaking of sound, I want to talk about um, like the sound of guitar players who've inspired you. Yeah. So could you give me like your top three or top five guitar players that inspired you the most when you started playing? Mm-hmm. I Because ha- I also I want to ask eventually about Eddie, the Van Halen stuff, yeah, but yeah. like I, was, is Van ha- Eddie Van Halen on the list? Would you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Eddie's probably number one. Really? Um, okay. And that you know i've even heard from from people like i've met george benson a few times um george who george benson um, of big big jazz player okay. um jazz r&b he probably him and west montgomery are like the two most famous jazz guitars mm-hmm. and he um he's on so eddie van halen george benson eric clapton yep uh, i'd say like bb freddy albert mm-hmm. king those are all kind of equal and inspiration to me and um you know like i I don't know like like richie blackmore andy timmons i really like but um and and then for song structure like joe the team of like joe perry and brad which were like (laughs) they're so good what i'm going after um but anyways like uh george like what about eddie van halen like Mm -hmm. so george benson his big song is like on broadway which is like um it's basically a pop song stuff. He was on Motown, but yeah. um, he's a jazz player. And I, I've heard from people who know him that even he, um, with a lot of these shredders like Ingve and stuff. Yeah. Um, and Steve, I like, they're very, you know, polarizing like jazz guys. Yeah. Or, like that's not my thing. Eddie Van Halen's the only guy I know who universally like Eric Clapton jazz players, mm-hmm. So many people like Les Paul. Yeah, I was gonna say because with like person. Steve Vai and those guys, I've known that they've been they've been known to like study more classical like type stuff from what I know. But with yeah, I did um, with Eddie Van Halen. Like I can see. I like I like you know I did Eddie didn't do a lot of classical training, yeah, but I know yeah, exactly. Um, I I do like a lot of like Paganini and Bach stuff. Yeah, um, and I got that from I was big into Ingve for a little while. Yeah, like the, I know um, with Ingve, like that he um, studied a lot of that stuff. But yeah, with Van Halen, like you can hear it. It's it's the it's the hev it's the heavier he is, crunchy type. Tone. Yeah, Eddie is just um, he's like another level <laughs> guy, and <laughs> I mean something. Breed. You know, I mean I'm sure Ingve will. Uh, as he's known to probably block me on Instagram after I say this, but um, I was the last time I was uh, opening up for Ingve at a sound check. Wow. Um, he does. He plays three songs every sound check he does. He does "Kill the King" by yep. Rainbow. Mm-hmm. Does "Ain't Talking About Love." Okay. 
and he plays um, for some reason Money for Nothing and tries to sing it. Money for Nothing? Yeah, you love <laughs> really? Stolen I didn't know. I it's really funny, and he, he's me. awful at singing it. But um, I love that song. That's a great song. But he, he's very he denies. He says, "Oh, I was doing this before Van Halen stuff and yeah. and Richie Blackmore." And he's you know that's a large part of the sound. And I think Van Halen took a lot from Blackmore, but he's. Uh, Eddie is very unique, and it's to me, it's about the. Um, I'm more into songwriting mm-hmm. now, uh, and that's kind of why I've transitioned from blues to more. I guess you, I guess I could call it out like country. Tune in next week for part two of our conversation with Tyler Morris.